a family demands their money back from a woke university that changed its name. I'll talk about that on this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to The Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Again, don't forget to subscribe to McClanahan Academy. It is the best way to support the show financially. You can purchase one or 20 classes there. And a big hint, if you are a member at McClanahan Academy, or if you're on my email list at brianmcclanahan.com, you know about the new class that's going to be out very, very soon. Hint, hint, it's Reading Thomas Jefferson. You're going to want it. It's a really great course, and I give you coupons if you're on my email list. So head over to McClanahanAcademy.com and roll free of charge. Get the free class, 10 Myths of American History, and then purchase some classes there, including the new material like Reading Thomas Jefferson. It helps keep this podcast free of charge. You can also support the show painlessly by rate, reviewing, and subscribing to the podcast. Let people know you love it. Give it that five-star review. Leave a text review wherever you can. Leave a comment on YouTube. It helps the algorithm. And, of course, you can also click on that little super thanks button if you're on YouTube. Or you can go to brianmcclanahan.com forward slash support or anchor.fm. All those ways can be used to support the show financially as well. All right. Well, I promised to do something else, and I'll get to that. But this particular, uh, this week, and it was on the 13th Amendment and abuse of the 13th Amendment. That was the thing I was promising this week. But this particular article came up, and I saw it, and I thought, you know, this this is a, a nice discussion to have based on the things we've talked about in the past couple of weeks. And it's about the role of money and what money does for this current assault on history. Now, you have to remember in just about anything in the academic world, anything people do, they're going to do it because there's grants available, research opportunities available, or jobs available. And so, for example, in the environmental uh, area, you know, if you're into environmental sciences, you're going to do research on global warming or climate change because that's where the money is. The United States gives out grants and other things so that you can continue this research. It's why we see so much of it because this is where people are being forced into. In my area, in history, the jobs are all now in um, non-traditional fields. Even if they're advertising for a traditional field like 19th century U.S. history, they want the candidate to be a specialist in some minority part of history. They don't really want a traditional 19th century U.S. historian anymore. Same thing with European history. That isn't even on the radar, uh, particularly if you're looking at classical European history. Nobody hires classical scholars anymore. Um, all that's going away. So when, when you look at the, uh, and I've talked about that, you know, the death of the history profession, and they're doing it to themselves, and they're doing it to themselves because of all the woke stupidity. Nobody wants to listen to this stuff. So how do you fight back is the question. Uh, how, do you, how do you go out and say, well, I mean, yeah, these history departments are, are just absolutely insane. We've got humanities areas that are absolutely insane. We've got all these lefties in these institutions. Well, the conservative response has been, let's defund all that stuff. Let's just get rid of it. Let's make it to where nobody has to take these classes anymore and we remove them. That, of course, is a dangerous thing to do because even if you're getting a bad history education, you're still getting exposed to some of these things. And when you look at people that get involved in technical fields, learning how to write and to present yourself and clearly through the written and spoken word is very important. We don't need people 
that are simple Google bots. And that's essentially what happens if you go out and you take out history curriculum, because there are good people teaching history in the profession at every level, K through 12, up through colleges and universities. There aren't as many good people, but there are good people out there. So it's, it's dangerous, I think, to do that. Uh, but maybe money talking is a much more important thing. Maybe if people who have had their families invested in these institutions, or maybe even current people that are willing to donate large sums of money to universities and colleges, their alma maters, or whatever the case may be, they want to help education. Maybe they look for other opportunities outside of the establishment academies to go and fund those things. A lot of this stuff would change. Money talks. If people with money, conservative people with money, who donate millions of dollars to universities and colleges stop doing it, well, then maybe some things will change in these colleges and universities. They will actually start having real balanced departments and start teaching real history again instead of uh, social justice activism, which is what we get basically in both uh, the social sciences and humanities now. Uh, that is the only way I think any of that can turn around. Now, I mean, of course, I've got you know, friends who would say, all you got to do is bulldoze them and napalm them and then start over. Um, there are opportunities outside of that. You know, For example, if uh, you listen to the show, the Abbeville Institute, if you've got some money to give for education, that's a great opportunity. There's other conservative organizations that do a good job in educating the public and getting information out there that's not in line with the woke left. I mean, this is... These things exist, but you have to find them. It's not university of such and such state or you know such and such college. A lot of times, your um, your two year colleges, your smaller colleges, also have very good faculty members in them, and uh, you can support those as well in your local community. They often reflect the communities in, that they have. So there's lots of things out there that, of course, are not just completely run over with. Uh, this social justice activism, but uh, it's fewer and far between. So how do people do this? How do they take these things down? Well, this is a very funny story. I don't know how much standing it would have in court. It might not stand up very well, but it's a really good story, and it shows you that people are starting to push back against this, against this madness that's taken over the American Academy and American society and, of course, American education. This is uh, you know, something that people are very concerned about, throughout the United States, uh, and rightfully so, I think. So this is an article from um, Red State, and the title is, University Removes Slave-Owning Benefactor's Name, His Family Demands Their $51 Million Back. Now, that's a pretty good chunk of change for a university to come up with if they had to pay it out. Now, again, I don't know what a court would, would uh, if a court would decide with the family here because they didn't directly give the money. But this is in Virginia, and we've seen, I've talked about Virginia, renaming community colleges, renaming uh, uh, all kinds of things in the state that have supposedly you know, uh, bad origins or a stain on the name. And in this case, one family is saying, fine, you don't want to have our family's name on this building. It was a, it was, we, we, our family gave a substantial amount of money for this. It's been a source of pride for us. If you don't want it, then just give us our money back. And we'll gladly take that. And so I think if people would start doing that. Now, the problem is some families are fine with these things. For example, the family of John Tyler, and this is just absolutely insane because the grandson is still living, one of the grandsons. 
the the family of John Tyler was fine with removing his name from a college there in Virginia. Now, the great-grandson was not necessarily, but the great-great-granddaughter was. And uh, so you see a kind of a shift. The grandson certainly wouldn't have been. The great-grandson was kind of on the fence. That might be okay, but the great-great-granddaughter was certainly in favor of removing the name. And it shows you how these things become generational. That great-great-granddaughter was brought up in our modern education system. So she bought all the stupidity coming out of the left and was fine with removing her uh, her ancestor's name, a president of the United States from a community college because of something that was relatively common in Virginia in the 1850s and 60s and 40s and 30s. I mean, this is the thing, right? So uh, this is just so ridiculous Uh, You almost couldn't parody it, but that's what we've done. So let me read this little piece. It's pretty interesting. It starts, If your name isn't good enough for a college, is your money? Such a question has been raised over a now-deleted donator in Virginia. The situation dates back to 1846, when a man named Thomas C. Williams attended Richmond College. In the 1880s, he served as a trustee. More from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Quote, After his death, his family made a gift to the college that helped establish the law school. When Richmond College became the University of Richmond in 1920, it began began referring to the law school as a T.C. Williams School of Law. Okay, so it goes back to 1846 when T.C. Williams attended Richmond College, now University of Richmond. And then in the 1880s, as he was an old man, he served as a trustee. And so when he died, he gave a lot of money to the school. Gave a tremendous amount of money to the school. And, of course, the school honored the law school with his name. So the piece says, that was then, this is now. In September of 2022, the Board of Trustees voted unanimously to change the name to the University of Richmond School of Law. At the time, President Kevin Halleck and the board addressed criticism via a statement. We recognize that some may be disappointed or disagree with the decision. We also recognize the role that the Williams family has played here and respect the full and complete history of the institution. Well, they really don't, because if they did, they would just left the name there. He may have played an important part, but according to tax records, T.C.'s successful tobacco business owned 25 to 40 slaves. Six months before T.C.'s booting, half a dozen campus buildings were relabeled. Gone were references to those who possessed slaves, including Robert Ryland, the school's first president in 1840. On March 26, a new policy was instated. Quote, No building, program, professorship, or other entity at the university should be named for a person who directly engaged in the trafficking and or enslavement of others or openly advocated for the enslavement of people. So again, you're in Richmond, Virginia. Anything with ties to the antebellum period is going to have that. Anything. Any institution in the state of Virginia with ties to the antebellum period, meaning before 1865 in the state of Virginia, is going to have that. There's nothing out there that won't. This is just lunacy. And and it shows you what the left really wants to do here. It's, It's not really about names or buildings. It's about restarting American history. It's about completing the second American Revolution and refounding America. This is exactly what they want to do. They want to refound America. And it's really not 
uh, right after the war where they want to go. It's actually more around the middle of the 20th century. That's where they want America to start. In fact, if they could pick a date, I think, to make year zero, it would be like 1954 with Brown v. Board of Education or maybe the Civil Rights Act of, uh, of 1964. I don't know. Maybe it would be 1964. This is the time they would pick for year zero because that's when they think America really begins. And when you look at, again, I've talked about this with lefties like Eric Foner and even people like Randy Barnett, what they're playing into here is a complete radical transformation of the United States. You cannot have any reverence for anybody that lived before uh, being born in the 20th century, and in particular, if they were born in the antebellum period, meaning up to 1865, in the United States. You can't have any reverence for these people, particularly from the South, too. I mean, that's, that's the other thing. So this is absolutely crazy. There's no other way to describe it. It's absolutely crazy. It's stupid. What does the name on a building have to do with anything? Does it prevent people from getting an education? These people had a part in the history of the, of the institution. The first college president is now going to be removed from a building because, well, he was part of antebellum Southern society and he owned slaves. So what? I mean, at some point you have to say, just so what? What, is that, what does that really matter for modern education? What does it really matter for the students at the Rich, University of Richmond? Well, I mean, of course, a lot of college students are, uh, they've gone insane. But regardless, I mean, what does this really matter? It doesn't. It doesn't. But this is part and parcel of the current war on history. We talked about that last week with the statement that the Declaration uh, was uh, a document that enshrined slavery. I mean, it's just a stupid argument. The Constitution is a document that enshrines slavery. This is where these people are coming from, and it's ahistorical. It's ahistorical. So the piece says, out with the old, in with the new. But T.C.'s family wants their old man's money back. If he's unworthy of recognition for his efforts, they figure his cash should be no good as well. T.C.'s great-great-grandson explained in a letter to the president, quote, If suddenly his name is not good enough for the university, then isn't the proper ethical and indeed virtuous action to return the benefactor's money with interest? It is not a form of fraud to induce, is it, I'm sorry, is it not a form of fraud to induce money from a benefactor and then dis discredit the benefactor after he is long dead? Surely the Williams family would not have given a penny to the university knowing that the university would later dishonor the family. And I mean, I think that's a beautiful statement. You see, they don't care about that. They don't care about any people that keep sending their money there. This is my point about sending money to these institutions. They don't care about it at all. Uh, there was actually an, an instance where uh, a wealthy benefactor was going to send, I think, around a million bucks to um, Washington and Lee. Pulled it back. Said, I mean, if you, I'm just not going to give it to you. It was either Washington and Lee or VMI. I can't remember, but get, kept the money. We're not going to give you a million bucks so you can go out and spit on us. We're not going to do it. If more people would do that, well, these schools would have to either go broke because I'm sure, I mean, University of Richmond is a state school, but um, they do get private endowments. Well, they should have to, uh, you know, live on those things. Uh, and, and very shortly, they would go broke. So if these schools really want to do this, they have to understand they are really supposed to be inclusive. And that means, 
uh, people that they may not like, which could be conservatives or individuals who they don't like their opinions, that's real inclusivity. Well, then they're going to have to accept that some of these things need to stay. They're going to have to have conservatives on campus. They're going to have to have conservatives in these departments. They're going to have to have people that don't agree with their stupid, woke social justice agenda. They're going to have to have people that, that have that. I mean, if they really want inclusivity, that's, that's what they want to go for. Well, then they have to do that, and money does talk. It was more than a penny. Rob has done the math. His name is Rob. At 6% compounded interest over 132 years, TC's gift to the law school alone is now valued at over $51 million. And this does not include many other substantial gifts from my family to the university. Bottom line, the ethical and virtuous decision is clear. Return the money. Return the money. So if you don't want my family's name on a building, if you don't want our contributions to university, if you think that you're better than us, then why are you still using our money? This is a real serious question. Now, I can guarantee you if the roles were reversed, that this would be a big story across the United States. And people would be saying, yeah, yeah, they shouldn't, that school shouldn't use the money of uh, these people that, uh, you know, lefties that, uh, that uh, this conservative school has, and they shouldn't be forced to use their money to do these things. But we know the left doesn't really care about hypocrisy because there's no accountability. So like I said, I'm not certain where this could have a standing in court. That's probably where it would have to go. The family is going to have to sue the university to get the money back. And, uh, I mean, they're going to have to have some money to do that. Now, maybe some law firm would take it up and do it pro bono and only get, uh, you know, some money if they win the case. But, uh, and I'm not even certain if a law firm would do that, thinking that doesn't have standing or, or whatever. But this is a big deal. If the family could somehow press this, and the University of Richmond would have to go to court over this, they might be forced to change the names back. At least for the T.C. Williams School of Law. Now, maybe not the other stuff, but at least for that. And then, of course, publicizing this issue and thinking about conservatives who have attended that institution, who give money. You know, you have all these alumni organizations constantly sending you, uh, you know, solicitations for donations to the school. Remember how the good times at our school and send us some money. Well, if people with, that are conservative with money just wouldn't do it, well, that's going to cut into their revenue stream, isn't it? So these are things that people could do if you don't like where university has gone and what their departments are doing. Don't send them any money. And send that money somewhere else, to some conservative educational organization that's actually doing something that's more in line with your belief systems. That would be better. Rob told the College Fix his family has sent... President Kevin, 20 unreturned emails asking for the evidence regarding their ancestors' slavery connection. Furthermore, Rob's October 11th letter indicates the family may have assisted minorities during a pivotal time. Quote, TC hired thousands of workers. Many were blacks and women. Productive work and industry is the only thing that lifts people out of poverty. The Williams family gave away all of their immense wealth. Most of it was anonymous. Many Richmond institutions are the result of their goodwill and generosity. Now, this is also the, the other part of, of this entire situation. And there was a... Um, people have done some research, for example, into Walter Carr. There's a book out on Carr, the Carr family, uh, because Carr had made that very now infamous speech at the Silent Sam dedication where he made some racist comments. 
Carr was someone who was maybe considered to be kind of a Southern leftist at the time. I mean, he was not that conservative. Uh, he was much more moderate on race relations than other people were at the time. And so they have to kind of discount that to make the other part stick. And this is what they try to do over and over again. And by they, I'm talking about his history professors and other people. There's actually now a history professor that uh, teaches, I think, at Auburn University that wrote a book on the Silent Sam Memorial, or monument, I should say, and, the, and how it was. And he was a big activist at North Carolina there when all this was going on. And now he's at Auburn University teaching history. And how uh, this was, you know, you try to put the, he tries to connect this, you know, um, where this is, uh, this correlation means causation, which is complete logical fallacy. The book has no logical merit whatsoever. But this is what they do. They try to, it's, it's the common fallacy of attack on the person. It's attack on the person. And um, it, it's, these people would fail logic 101, but this is what they do. So in this case, you have a, uh, an important benefactor given a lot of money to the university, and they don't want his name anymore, so should they have to give the money back? I mean, I think it's, it's uh, certainly within the realm of possibility that this should happen. He'll then give his money back. That is the moral and ethical thing to do. So the piece says, perhaps similar things could be said of departed others ejected from prominent places. Even so, name removal has titanically taken hold. And they give several examples here. William Peace University votes to cancel William Peace, but it's still called William Peace University. George Washington University decolonizes itself by displacing its mascot. Woke fail. University evicts a slaveholder statue, still puts his name on every t-shirt. <laughs> Salute to self-awareness. Washington Post publishes an announcement of George Washington's racist name. A ghost reminds six students of a KKK equestrian, and that alone may un unsaddle a $100,000 statue. An article at Biden's alma mater cancels a Blinken, uh, a racist executioner. So you have this stuff going on all over these college campuses, and most of it goes unnoticed, except for places like the College Fix or Red State or Breitbart or some of these other publications that are interested in this soft, and in some cases, active agenda, uh, hip hypocritical agenda, by the way, at these colleges and universities and how stupid these people really are. I mean, you can't make some of this stuff up. But the piece says, back to the University of Richmond and T.C. Williams, it might surprise some people that the demand of a refund hasn't been made in many other instances. Could we be headed toward more? Maybe. I mean, should these families that are involved in this start asking for their money back? I mean, why not? Uh, if, if, for example, at Yale, you had, uh, you know, Calhoun College. Now, I don't know if Calhoun actually gave any money to Yale, but when you look at Clemson University, okay, Clemson University, which is sitting on John C. Calhoun's property, and of course named after his son-in-law, well, you still have Cal Calhoun family members out there. Well, maybe they should start demanding that the school gives their money back. Maybe they should start demanding the school even leave. Uh, I mean, if you don't like it, if you don't like what this what, what it was or any of these things, well, then maybe you should leave the place and not be here anymore. I'm, I've never gotten why people would go take a job at a place they don't want to be or why they would go and, and uh, you know take a job somewhere and then complain about it openly all the time. I've never gotten it. And 
it's it's done at colleges and universities because the administration at those places is fine with the complaints because they probably have the same ones, and yet they're still working for that institution. It's ridiculous when you think about it. But this is where we are in woke America. So Rob uh, thinks the university and its president should look inward. This is how the piece concludes, and I think this is funny. The university itself participated in slavery. Using your Orwellian logic, then shouldn't the university have to change its name? Using your T.C. Williams logic, then don't you have to resign since you preside over a school that participated in slavery? Well, I mean, this is 100% true. This is what I just said. If Calhoun and his land is not, I mean, if, if we're going to eradicate all of this, then shouldn't Clemson University have to move off the land where it sits and go just disband? I mean, because where are you going to go in the state of South Carolina that didn't have that institution as part of its history in some way or another? Same thing in Virginia. Same thing in any southern state or even any northern state of the original 13 states. Right? I mean, State of New York, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Connecticut in particular, Rhode Island really in particular. I mean, shouldn't these things have to all be done away with? If we're going to follow this logic, shouldn't this be the case? So I love this that uh, Rob, uh, the family member, has done this. And um, I mean, this is just fantastic stuff uh, that uh, his, his name is uh, Rob Smith. Right, Rob Smith uh, from the from the T.C. Williams family wanting to get the family's money back, and this is from October. I mean, this story has been floating around since the fall, and it's just now getting some publicity. But if more people would do this stuff, if more people, if more family members, if more wealthy people who give money to these colleges and universities would stop doing it, I think a lot of things would change in America. And a lot of things would maybe change in higher education if more people would put their principles first and stop donating to these institutions and things that really don't like you. Um, and that's probably the way forward. Money does talk. And again, as I started this podcast, I talked about how money does drive different educational areas. And so if they don't have the money to pursue these things, perhaps all of this would change long term. All right. It's been a fun week at the Brian McClanahan Show. I'll see you next week. See you then.